good day to you wherever you are. God bless you. How are you doing? I trust you've had a great week and it is brilliant to be in a new month. The month of May is the fifth month and five is the number of grace. So we are believing God for special grace this month. Um, and yes, I welcome you into the month of May. We are thrilled that God has kept us safe, alive, healthy, whole, um, this uh, first four months of the year and we trust that God will continue to keep us. Amen. So how have you been? Last week we talked about, um, we're continuing on our culture series, we talked about love which was the, the great commandment and I hope you have been practicing, I hope you've been showing love to your family, to your friends, to your neighbours and I hope more than anything you have been devoted and you have improved in the ways you show your love for God. Amen. So today we are continuing our culture series. We're going to be talking about two, two things which I think are very, very important in the Christian culture. Number one is humility. Number two is service. They are linked together. Um, but I think, you know, this is a lifestyle of a Christian. These are the things that people will see and you would stand out and people wonder, why are you the way you are? And um, it's the way we should live even in the kingdom, in our churches, in our families. This is the attitude we should have. We should have a humble attitude and we should have an attitude to serve all the time. Amen. So let us pray as we begin. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify you for another opportunity to hear your word. We ask that your word will come with power. We ask that your word will come with conviction. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our attitudes. Challenge our beliefs. Challenge our conduct. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we'll be going in straight. Um, so we're going to start with humility. I'm sure everybody's had this this um, term used at one point or another. So what exactly is humility? And the dictionary uh, definition is, it is a quality of having a modest or a low view of one's importance. Modest or a low view of one's importance. And I want you to listen to, to what you are having a modest or a low view towards, your importance not your self-worth, not who you are. It is your importance and it's the exact opposite of pride because being proud of pride is having or showing a high or an excessively high opinion of one's self or importance. So they are exact opposites. In humility, you have a lower, modest um, value. And in pride, you have a high or an excessively high value of your own importance or yourself. So pride is having a high or an excessively high opinion of oneself or one's importance. So as I said, it's the exact opposite of humility. Um, so before we start, I'm going to go into what humility is not. Because some of us, we understand it, but we confuse it with other things. 
So I will just make that clear before we go in to the word. So humility is not low self-esteem. It's not low self-esteem. So it's not you putting yourself under, thinking you are nothing, thinking you're not good enough, um, you know, having negative views about yourself or who you are or how you look. That is low self-esteem. That is not humility. So don't confuse the two. Humility is not being timid. It's not being fearful. It's not being shy. So that is not humility. Because in humility, you know who you are. You know who you are. You know what God has done for you. You know what you are worth. But you have a low or a modest, I like to say modest, a modest view of your own importance, of, of you know, no matter what God has used you to do, you have a modest view of it. Amen. So humility is not being a pushover. So being someone, okay, I'm humble, I'm submissive. And then you let people walk all over you, you know, abuse you, treat you anyhow. That is not humility. Humility is not being foolish or unwise. You know the right thing to do, but because other people, you know, try to intimidate you and want you to do something wrong, you decide to go with it because um, you feel I'm being humble. No, that is not humility. Amen. Humility is also not being quiet. So it's also not, you know, you see some quiet people, you're like, it's humble. no, no, it's not humble. Being quiet is not humility because you can be quiet, but you can feel very self-important. You can be proud, you know, even when you don't say it. But the way, the attitude of your heart and the way you come across will show if you are proud or not. So I have two quotes that I also wanted to, dis you know, I wanted to comment on, on, you know, been written about humility and I think are important or are interesting. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So it is not thinking less of yourself. Thinking less of yourself is low self-esteem. It is thinking of yourself less. So it's being selfless, not selfish. You know, you can have low self-esteem, but you are obsessed with thinking about yourself and yourself and you know, even though they are negative thoughts, you're always thinking about yourself. That is not humility. It is thinking of yourself less. And another quote says, a humble person is not one who thinks little of himself, hangs his head and says, I am nothing. That is low self-esteem. Rather, it is one who depends wholly on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. So it is being wholly dependent. It is knowing that everything you are, everything you have, everything you can do is all enabled by God, by God's power, by God's grace. Everything you have, everything you've achieved, you have achieved by God's grace. Amen. So that is humility. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. I think this is because you know for humility i think we should just look at the life of jesus because i i think jesus is the perfect example of humility he is the perfect i mean if there's a word better than perfect he is that of humility because see this is god i you know i don't know if you understand and this is the all-powerful the omniscient the the omnipresent this is god this is God that knows 
everything, the end from the beginning, who was there at creation, who knows everything about everyone. This is God. And he humbled himself when he came on earth. You know, I mean, when God's walked the earth, you know, you see a God, a God, an all-powerful God. You think you would come to the earth and be a servant. But this is the lifestyle that Jesus took. Um, let's read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't consider, I mean, for me, this verse always gets me. He, is, he, he was equal with the Father. But you see the attitude of Jesus while he was on earth. He was always saying, you know, my father, my father, I'm, I'm doing the will of my father. You know, you would think that, you know, Jesus was much, 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 much lower than the father, which is why most of us have this impression that Jesus is lower than the father and the Holy Spirit is the lowest of all. They are equal. But when you see how they operate, you see, especially when Jesus was on earth, you see that humility, you see it, you know, which is just having a modest view of your importance. He didn't think it was something to be used to his own advantage because he could have. He could have used it to his own advantage while he was on earth. He could have said, well, I'm God. I can do this. I can do that, you know, and just turn, change things around and turn things around and manipulate people. I mean, look at the things we do when we have a little bit of power. We have a little bit of influence over people. We want to make them do our bidding. We want to twist them around to please us. We want, you know, them to want to center around them. We want, because we know that they answer to us because we know that they respect us. We just tell them to do things. We take advantage, you know. So Jesus did not do that. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Even when he came on it, he didn't say, Okay, I've taken, the, I've taken this flesh, but I want, I'm king. At least I have to be king of the normal people because we're not the same. I'm a God in a human body. I, at least let me be their king. It's lower than what I really am, but at least I can manage it. No, he came to earth and he took the place of a servant, being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he still humbled himself further. By becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So he humbled himself further as a man. And he was obedient to death. And it wasn't just death. Because you know, gods don't die. So he's not even supposed to die. So he, he came into the flesh. He humbled himself. You, you know that there were men who didn't die. You know, people like Enoch who were just taken and Elijah. There were men like us, but he didn't die. You know, so... He didn't have to, he didn't need to, but he humbled himself to die. And not even just an ordinary death. It's not like a nice death where he gathered his legs onto the bed and just closed his eyes. The death of a criminal on a cross. Amen. Therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See why I said Jesus is the perfect example. Because he came, he didn't think highly of himself. He could have came, he could have come and he could have said anything he liked to anybody. And he could have treated people anyhow. But Jesus did not. Jesus did not. This did not affect who he was. It did not, it was not because he didn't know who he was. It was not because he didn't know what he could do. You remember during the passion, he said, Do you think if I want, I can't ask my, my father to bring thousands of angels to come and help me? So he knew what he could do. It wasn't like he didn't know his self-worth. He didn't really know his authority. He knew his authority. But he chose not to use it. He humbled himself to that on the cross. I think this is, is a great, great example. I want us to read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. 1 Peter chapter 5 from verse 5 to 6. It says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time amen so this is for us we and we see this all the time we're going to look at some other verses where the bible is telling us clothe yourself with humility be humble be humble be submitted to the elders somebody was talking this week about submission what is sub under even though the person was talking about it uh, with regards to women submitting to their husbands you know maybe we should even say something there because you know like pastor always says the fact that you are submitting does not mean you are brainless you are a slave you don't know anything you don't know book you're not wise women have chicken brain um you're not equal you're not like a you're not like a human being you know still even though there's some people who think women are not like you know like proper human beings they think you know that sort of thing that is not the reason you're submitting. You're submitting for order. And Jesus is the best example to look at when you're thinking about submission. When you're thinking about, you know, what attitude should I have when I'm submitting to my husband? What attitude should I have? This is the perfect example because there was a quality between Jesus and God. But Jesus chose. You know, Jesus... I mean, it's like going to the cross. He surrendered his will, everything, to the Father. He allowed the Father to make all the decisions. He was concerned. You know, you remember the garden, his prayer in the garden. He was concerned. He did, he, I mean, his flesh didn't want to go through that pain. He knew what was coming. And he, you know, his, his heart was sorrowful, was sad. But he submitted his will to the Father. Sometimes submission can be a scary thing because, I, you know, I, I was telling my husband 
a few weeks. It's like um, you wearing a blindfold. You're wearing a blindfold and you hold the hand of your husband and he has to lead you somewhere or wherever throughout life, imagine. He has to lead you and you trust that he will lead you aright. He will lead you to the right place. He'll make, it's the same that happens when we submit our will to God, when we submit our cares to, you know, to God, knowing God knows the end from the beginning. God will take care of this. God will sort me out. It is the same submission and it takes humility to submit. It takes humility to submit. Where you don't have an overinflated view of your importance or who you are. You just put yourself under, sub. You put yourself under. It has to be done willingly. It's not something you be forced. You, if, well, if it's by force, it's slavery. If, if, if I have to submit forcefully, then it's not really, really submission because inside my heart, I'm, you know, I'm agreeing with you, I'm obeying, but don't really, really care for it. Amen. Yeah, so that was a bit of a digression. Okay, so we have looked at the rewards of humility, you know, from these few verses we've read. Number one, after Jesus submitted, what did God do? God highly exalted him. So humility brings you to a place of honor. Humility brings you to a place of honor. God opposes the proud. You know, Jesus, Jesus, you know, told us a parable when he was on earth. And he said, you know, when you go for a party on a question, don't go and sit on the high seat, on the high table. Don't go and sit on the high table. You know, you feel like <laughs> we're the important ones here. We're the ones who matter. And you go and sit on the high table. It will be very embarrassing. Somebody will come and call you, ah, this chair for someone more important than you. Say no, sit on the low chair. Not because you don't think you matter, but it's more elegant. It's honoring when you now be seen and say, ah, why are you sitting here? Ah, come, let me give you a better seat. So humility brings honor. Let's read the Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. It says, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. So do you want honor? Do you want to be honored? Do you want to be honorable? Then be humble. Amen. Amen. You receive grace. You know, God's word talks about uh, God gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, God opposes the proud but shows favor. So grace, some versions say grace. Favor comes to the humble. So that is every reason, every reason every advantage 
in being humble. You know, you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says, against this, there is no law. There's no downside to being humble. There's no downside. None at all. None at all. There's favor. There's grace. There's honor. There's promotion. There is no downside to it. You receive answers to prayer. And we see that in the story of Jonah. Remember, he, you know, God told him, go and preach in Nineveh. There is going to be destruction in the land. And Jonah went and preached to them after much. And what did the king do? He called them and said, let us humble us. You know, one of the ways you humble yourself is by fasting. <clears throat> it's by fasting. When you fast, you humble yourself. Amen. And what did God do when he saw that they humbled themselves? He answered their prayers. We see this again in Daniel. When the angel came to him to, with, with his answers, he said, from the first day you decided to humble yourself, your prayers were answered. From the first day, you decided to humble yourself. So it brings answers to prayers. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name should humble themselves and pray, it is the same. You receive answers to prayers. You receive forgiveness. You know, you're more likely to be forgiven if you are humble, if you apologize with humility, than if you are arrogant. You know, I mean, even in the court of law, you know, when you show remorse for what you've done, you're more likely to receive mercy than when you don't show any remorse, you don't show any emotion, you don't show any feeling. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Amen. So how do we humble as, you know, how, how do we become humble? The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So it's something you have to do. You have to tame your heart. You have to circumcise your heart because it's something you do inside that now shows outside. You have to humble yourself. Don't wait to be humbled or to be embarrassed. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God submit yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Amen. Be completely humble. Amen. Let us go over to service. Let us go over to service. Now what is service? Service is the act of helping or doing something, doing work for someone else. Helping or doing work for someone else serving, ministering. The Bible talks about angels and they all ministers, ministers for those who would become heirs of salvation. Waiters, helpers, ministry. Amen. So when we talk about ministry, really, it is serving others. Ministry is not, I'm now a pastor, so serve me. No. Ministry is serving others. Let us read from Mark chapter 10 from verse 35 to 45. Mark chapter 10 from verse 40, 35 to 45. Amen. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, 
We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Interesting. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So these are a group of people who had an overinflated view or opinion of their self-importance. Um, and Jesus said, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the, bapti with the baptism I am baptized with? See, Jesus knew what the cost was. So if you want promotion in the kingdom, if you want honor, if you want to be exalted, if you want to have any sort of standing with God or in spiritual things, then you must be ready to serve and you must be humble. Amen. So this is what they said. They said we can. They said we can. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism. I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the, the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. So this is what we see our leaders do. He said the Gentiles, he wanted to explain to them where it comes to God's kingdom is different from how it's done in the world. So in the world, our leaders make decrees for us. They make laws for us. They tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. They load it over us. They punish us if we do something wrong. You know. So Jesus said, not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom many. So remember, this is a culture series and we are talking about the culture, the way we should behave as Christians. Service is integral to the Christian culture. When you become a Christian, you don't come for people to serve you. You don't get into a place and start thinking, why haven't they cleaned my seat? Why haven't they bought me this? They didn't answer me. They didn't talk to me. They didn't do me like this. They didn't do me like that. They didn't welcome me. Yes, people are supposed to do all that. But that's not the attitude if you are a Christian. No, you come to serve. It's always about what can I do to help? You know, understand that there's church in this country where even the people who make tea, the people who welcome you, the people who, you know, hang your coats and all that, these are some of the biggest investment bankers, CEOs of big companies and all such things. But when they come to church, when they come to the kingdom, they are servants. That is the attitude. They don't come in and say, 
They've not noticed I'm here. I'm the CEO, the chairman, and the director of so, so, so and so. Why haven't they welcomed me? Why haven't they recognized me? Why haven't they called my name from the pulpits to say, oh, she has come? No, they come, they hang other people's coats. They arrange the chairs. They vacuum after church. Because in the kingdom, the attitude, the culture is service. And it's not just, this is what you do. This is what the, the leaders tell you. This is how it's done. No, Jesus said, even me, the son of man, me, God, I came to the world. I didn't come to say, you push, you serve me. I'm the one who made you people. I hold you people's lives. Serve me. Mm -mm. He said, he came to serve. And the highest form of service, sacrifice. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. So this is the attitude. And this, is, this should be the heart of every one of us. Especially, and I would say especially, the leaders. Because the truth is that the tone is set by the leadership. The tone is set. So wherever you are, especially if you're a leader in your local assembly or in your company or in your home if you have a humble serving attitude everybody will follow suit everybody will follow suit if you have the attitude of we are here to serve each other we are here to help each other we are here to do something for each other then everybody will follow suit but if you have the attitude of the rulers of the Gentiles, when you lord it over people, you tell people what to do, you know, you're harsh, you're overbearing, then what would the attitude of the other people, even when they follow you, they follow you in fear, they follow you reluctantly, they follow you uh, uh, resistant, bitter, angry, upset, hurt. So the heart of a leader is a heart of service. Amen. Amen. And more pregnant from this verse is it is the key to greatness. It is the key to greatness. Whoever, just whoever wants to be great among you must be the servant of all. So you must be ready to serve. You must be ready to serve. And what does it do? We've talked about is the key to greatness. It leads to promotion. Just like humility. Service is a, a path to promotion. It is a path to promotion. John chapter 12, verse 26. It says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. I, you know, so it just means it came, it's for instance, Say the Queen of England. I mean, we just watched um, the funeral of, of um, the Duke of Edinburgh. And who was the one who was riding? You know, there was someone riding with her in her car on her way to, to, the, to the church or to the service. Who was it? It was her lady in waiting. Who's her lady in waiting? Someone who serves her. So someone who serves her. But on that day, had that privilege of sitting by the Queen of England and riding to the service in honor of her husband. See what Jesus said here. He said, where I am, my servant will also be. 
where I am, my servant will also be. Where is Jesus? What does Jesus have access to? Think of all the, okay, think of the, like the richest man in the world. He has people who serve him. There are people who serve him. Guess what? Wherever he is, if he has to travel somewhere, those people go with him. Those people enjoy, you know, staying in luxury hotels. Those people enjoy the things he enjoys. Why? Because they serve him. So where I am, my servant will also be. And my father will honor. My father will honor the one who serves me. So honor again, promotion, greatness. As I said, there are no downsides to this. There are no downsides to it. Okay, maybe it involves a bit of work, but it's a work you will enjoy doing because don't forget, you know, it is part of our love and our devotion to God. Amen. Isaiah 54 verse 17, protection. It says, no weapon forged against you would prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me. So you're protected. You know, we used to say, you know, that this verse, people who are not servants of God should not be quoting it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. When you are in God's service, you are protected. You are protected. Amen. Exodus chapter 23, 25 to 28, it says, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, he will bless your food and water and I will protect you from illness. So he will bless everything that does your body. You will be protected from illness. Amen. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. And I will give you long, full lives. And we see this, especially many men of God in, in America. Those who serve the Lord. Many of them live long, full lives. Long. And this is something we can stand on. We can claim as servants in God's house. And say, Lord, your word says you will protect me from illness. Your word says that you will give me long, full life. So this is a long life where you be suffering. A long, full life. You say, Lord, this is my heritage as a servant in the house. And you claim it and you stand on it and you appropriate it and you see it. Amen. And I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose land you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hevites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites. This is God's word to his servants. He will contend with anyone who contends with you. He will cause your enemies to turn around and to run. Amen. So these are prayers, you, these are promises that you can claim for yourself as a servant in God's house. Amen. Amen. There are no downsides to this. So how do we serve? How do we serve? And I'll quickly rush through this. We serve God by doing God's will. We serve God by obeying him. We serve God by worship. We serve God by serving in his house. Amen. We use our talents, our gifts that he has given us. It's not our own. Those are things he has given us. We use them to serve God. So you don't stay in God's house. Something is lacking. It's something you know you can do, you can offer, and you don't do it. You serve God. You serve God with your substance. 
it's also part of the service. You serve God with your giving. Amen. You serve one another. You serve one another. So by seven people, you serve God. You know, Jesus, in that parable, um, in Matthew 25, where, you know, he said, I came, I, I, you know, you saw me naked, you didn't give me anything to wear. You saw me hungry, you didn't feed me. You saw me in prison, you didn't visit me. I was unwell, you didn't come to visit me in hospital. And he said, hi, Jesus, how, how? We are, if we had seen you, would have come. He said, when you do this for the least of my brethren, you do it for me. So we serve God when we serve others, when we serve people in need, when we serve people who are unwell, people who are in prison, people we don't know. We serve God. Amen. How should we serve God? So we talked about um, the ways we can serve God. It's important our attitude when we serve. It is important because we can serve grudgingly and we will not be rewarded for it. So we serve diligently. Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we serve God diligently, fervently. Amen. We serve God wholeheartedly with our whole hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 13 says, So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So you serve God with your whole heart, your whole life. Everything within you should serve God. Remember in in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, we're talking about Amaziah, King Amaziah. And he said, he did what was right or not with a perfect heart, not wholeheartedly, not wholeheartedly. And that singled him out, singled him out among all the kings who trusted God, who, who, who loved God. He did it, but he did not do it wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen. We serve God willingly. The Bible says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. So we serve God willingly, diligently, wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen. So, what is our challenge today? Our challenge today would just be to reflect. Reflect on your life. Reflect on the motives of your heart. Reflect on the way you think about yourself. Am I humble? Do I come into some into a place and expect people to serve me? Am I entitled? Even in my home, am I entitled? Amen. So am I submissive? Am I meek? So let us reflect. How do I serve in God's house? Am I doing it willingly? Am I doing it wholeheartedly? Am I doing it diligently? So, you know, diligently, you're putting your heart in it and you're doing it very well, excellently. Excellently. Amen. So, I'd like us to reflect this week. And if we find any failings, if we find any way we're not doing it as well as we should, let us go back to these passages we've read and let us begin to retrace our steps. Let us begin to put things in place. Let us have a heart adjustment. 
and begin to serve God wholeheartedly, diligently, meekly, with everything within us, with our talents, with our gifts, with everything God has given us. Let us serve and let us remain humble, small in our own eyes. Amen.